Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak on Team Takeover Tuesday. Of course, I have to give Ben props for the alliteration there. Everybody who listened to the podcast last week knows that he came up with the triple alliteration. Live on the air. It was it was truly a marvel. I was shocked. My mouth was agape. Could not believe it. The genius that comes out of this kid's mouth. What we are doing on Team Takeover Tuesday, if in case you missed last week, is that each Tuesday or potentially Thursday, we're thinking of moving it. Not really sure. I know that we messed up the we alliteration. Don't anymore. Yeah, but it's, it's not still Team a, yeah, Takeover but it, Thursday. But it could be. Right? It could be th- Theme Takeover Thursday. Thursday. I don't know. We Man, just if we, we call it Theme Takeover Thursday, and then somebody's like, "Oh, this sounds like a good new interesting podcast. I'll listen to it for the first time." And we're just like, <laughs> "Yeah, Theme Takeover Thursday." Like these guys are. Idiots! <laughs> but the I mean, that would be, that would probably that would probably be par for the course with our uh, our, our iTunes review. So what right. we are doing on this structure of the podcast, whenever it is going to find a home, is we're focusing on one singular team, and we are going to try to fix them. This week we are doing the Detroit Lions. So what we're going to do in this podcast is we're going to go over. A, you know, a brief overview of what the team is like right now, the roster, the coaching situation, the front office, what their salary cap looks like, and we're kind of going to go through a little bit of a mock offseason right here. We're going to go through which GMs and coaches we think could be great for this situation, break down the pros and cons, really what we think they need to focus on, get us get into some potential free agent signings, and then at the end of the episode, we are going to do a three-round mock draft specifically for the Detroit Lions and the team that we are doing every week. So, Lions, not a great finish to the year. They're picking seventh overall, and the reason is because they finished with a 5-11 and 11 record. It was also so bad midway through the season that they fired their head coach, Matt Patricia, who was the coach for the previous two seasons going into this year, of course, under the Bill Belichick New England Patriots coaching tree. He didn't really have a great record going into it. 6-10 and 10 his first year, 3-12 and 12 and 1 the next year. Four and seven this year before getting fired. So he was fourth in the NFC North in both of his previous two seasons, in which he finished as a head coach and then didn't even make it to the end of 2020. Then when you look at the Detroit Lions, just kind of an overview of, of where you have them and 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 maybe a direction that you're thinking with a GM spot open, a head coach spot open, some quarterback questions, and a roster that needs a lot of work. Yeah. Uh firstly, welcome Lions. Shout out, y'all. Uh I will say for all of the Lions fans listening, we tried last offseason. We did. We were like, hey, maybe you should fire this guy. He doesn't seem like he's very good. Right. Uh, you know, ownership should take a long, hard look at uh, the pairing of him and Bob Quinn. Uh, obviously, they had a bit, they've had a bit of a change in, in ownership in Detroit, and dealing with that is, is, is difficult. And so I understand looking for stability there. Um, you know, you kind of want to make the point of, having you know a, a head coach that's locked in there and is in place uh you know because you you moved on from Caldwell and that was kind of viewed as a bad idea so it sucks for Lions fans that they're here because they should have been here last year you know Patricia should have been gone and so when you take a look at this current roster you not only see 
the fragments of a, of a Patricia led uh, a team, right? A Bob Quinn led team, a team sculpted in the image of the sculpted in the image of the, uh, the New England Patriots. You got all two gapping nose tackles, Danny Shell and Nicholas Williams, John Penasini, who, by the way, John Penasini has been good for them. Yeah, he has. Um, you got big, heavy handed defensive ends, Romeo Quora, Everson Griffin, Austin Bryant. Uh, you've got Jelani Tavai, huge middle linebacker who they struggled to uh, play in coverage. Jamie Collins, who has only ever been successful in a New England defense. Deron Harmon is, uh, you know, a, a, a like they got him from New England last offseason. Like he's a complete New England cast off. This team is built to be the New England Patriots, and it has not been doing so successfully. And not it, it only seems do you like have, every time. No, I just want to. I just wanted to say, throw in there that it seems like every time someone tries to emulate New England without Bill Belichick, yes, it does not work. Like it just that's he's not the, the model, right? That's this right. is not. Everyone wants to figure out how they can duplicate the Patriots' success, right? And I mean, I get it. Twenty straight years of basically dominance in their division and going to Super Bowls and winning titles. Like everybody's like, "Oh, how do we become the next Patriots?" Don't copy what the Patriots did because there's only one team who could figure out how to really make it happen with that, and that's with the greatest head coach of all time at the top. And so, yeah, this was just another. Didn't mean to cut you off there, but it's just like another failed experiment of a of a guy who worked under Belichick who tried to take that into a different team, and it's just it it didn't work. Right, and and that's been discussed, I think, quite well. You know what I mean? We've discussed the past couple years with Patricia. You can't, like, firstly, Patricia's defenses weren't even that good when he was the defensive coordinator in New England. He shot out 41 points given up in the Super Bowl to Nick Foles. But also, like, it just it's very difficult to get this done correctly. The the work that Belichick does as a single general manager plus head coach, we talked about with Bill O'Brien, they try to replicate with a Bob Quinn uh, GM, who mm-hmm. is obviously from the New England system, and a Matt Patricia defense, which is obviously, you know, he was the defensive coordinator, and they just haven't gotten it to work. Uh, so important to that system is being able to just play man cover on critical downs, and Detroit has led the league, or been among the league leaders in man coverage over each of the past two seasons, and they've done so with Jeffrey Okuda, Justin Coleman, Amani Arawarie, you know what I mean? Like, it's, who, who did they have last year? Or they had Darius Slay for a while. Desmond yeah. Trufant, they brought in this year. Right. I mean, like, they, they ain't got there's no Stephon Gilmore. There's no drafting J.C. Jackson. He's suddenly amazing. There's no McCord brothers. That, right. Like you, and you don't have those players here. I, I always think about the safety position, too, and, like, the versatility that the McCordy brothers brought to New England, and I feel like that is so underrated about what they do and how they are able to make that whole back-end system work, is that when you want to get aggressive, those guys are sm- so smart and they play so well in the back end, and it's just like, man, playing man coverage all the time and, and having this one-on-one and your guy versus my guy, sure, I think it's great in theory, but if you don't have the horses to win the race, if you will, at almost every single position in the secondary, playing that kind of coverage that much for as much as Matt Patricia wanted to do, it was a death sentence. It was just never, it, it was, it was never going to work. And that's where you look at this roster and you say, all right, for all of the prototypes you've tried to fill and the ways you've tried to be successful, there are good players here. Tracy Walker, every time I watch Tracy Walker film, Tracy Walker was a third round pick out of Louise Miss. Football team. Rage Occasions. I was saying Louisiana. You heard me. No, you were right. You were right. You were right. Uh, Southern Miss was Tervarius Moore. I think he was in that class as well. But anyway, um, every time I watch Tracy Walker, I'm like, wow, Tracy Walker's 
you know, I think he's playing some pretty good ball. I think this is this is impressive. And they they rotate him with Javon, Jerron Curse and Miles Killebrew. I don't know why. I've never seen either player make a better play than Tracy Walker. That's not true, probably one or two. But still, like I to me, this is they had him with Will Harris initially as well, and then Harris kind of got banged up and he got benched a little bit. But they they won't just put him on the field for 100% of the snaps. And to me, he's one of their best back seven players. You look at at uh, uh, Jeffrey Akuda, who to me was like a a knockout prospect. I I don't know what happened there, but he's completely uncomfortable in man coverage. When he was a dominant man coverage defender one year ago in a in a system that just like let him man, there was no like help. He was not like against like really bad uh, opponents. Like he was playing future NFLers and locking them up. And now he just he seems totally with his head above water. I think right? that like, there's Jelani to go go ahead go ahead. I'll let you finish. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna like. A guy like Jelani Tavai, uh, who I, a guy even like DeAndre Swift, who I thought like they've been, I didn't have the best uh, opinion of them coming out. You know, TJ Hawkinson's a good, another one. Like I was really big on TJ Hawkinson. These guys have been like fine, but they're not even, who's the last player to really excel that the Lions drafted? Who's the last player who they, they got him? They put him in a great spot. They developed him. He got better. Like I think Romeo Quarter's playing really well for them. I think it's nice to Quintus Cephas catch a couple balls. Jonah Jackson was plug and play, but they're, they're does, early picks. Does, does like does Frank Ragnow count? I know he was just like a oh, dra- draft yeah. him and he's good. You know, yeah. like well, all right, they're getting interior offensive line right. Yeah, uh, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, and Logan Sternberg have all been great for them. They of course gave fifty million dollars over five years to Halupulivati Vitai for him to end up playing guard or not tackle. That's right. in the conversation. <laughs> um, but right, it is to say that like when they bring these guys in, I don't. They get worse immediately. <laughs> You know, Hawkinson's still trying to like reach reach. I think the, the the caliber of play that was expected of him in the NFL, whether or not that will ever be worth the eight overall pick, is an, is an interesting conversation. Jelani Tavai, I didn't love, but like, man, he was a he was a better athlete than this, and he just cannot make plays outside the tackle box right now. So I yeah. don't know. It, it's to me, it's clear that this coach, this this front office and coaching staff went after a particular mold of player and not only failed to do so, mm-hmm. when they got their hands on just objectively good players, they couldn't figure out where to get them such that they would develop, such that they would continue to improve. They dealt with injury problems. They dealt with instability. There's always mitigating circumstances. But it's tough to look at this team and say who the young cornerstone pieces are, and that's worrisome. Yeah, I mean, when you look at their depth chart, I mean, I, I mentioned Frank Ragnow was one of them. Um, Kenny Galladay is, of course, another one. I think Taylor Decker's been solid. Obviously, Matt Stafford, we're going to get into a, a lot of Matt Stafford talk here. But when you look at kind of the rest of the depth chart and you highlighting a lot of guys who have just underperformed, there's something to that. And I think there was something to playing for Matt Patricia. And, and when you bring up, man, Okuda's had a lot of struggles. It just doesn't look like Okuda's playing very confident. And I always mm-hmm. have a... I have a hard time fully judging a guy when he's not playing confident. And a lot of confidence goes into his situation and your surroundings. And head coach, offense coordinators, position coaches, they go a long way into instilling confidence into these players. Whether it is like, I don't know, like relationship-wise or just playing them where they are going to succeed the most in a scheme. So I think that all of that goes into it. And it just feels like the Detroit Lions under Matt Patricia have been terrible at that. I mean, shoot, when you saw Patricia got fired... Eric Ebron, Darius Slay, like all these guys raced to Twitter and were like, LOL, this guy got fired. He was trash. You know, like players who had played for the Lions, who now no longer play for the Lions, and they were very quick to go after this dude the second he was fired, basically saying like, this is a long time coming. That means a lot. That means a lot when players are saying that. When you combine it with players outspokenly going after a guy, 
on Twitter, right. wherever it is. Oh, and also play on the field from guys who are there when there's no confidence. There's no confidence. I don't think being had on the roster at all on either side of the ball. I think the head coach is a big deal with that. You know, it's it was a strange hire because you know some people thought it was a stretch like right off the bat, but then you know you go to Jim Caldwell's t- tenure. 11 and 5, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 9 and 7. They fired this guy after a 9 and 7 year, after he didn't make the playoffs. He finished second in the division three out of his four years as their head coach, and they fired him. And they then followed up with Patricia, who was last in the division every single year they hired him. And so it was just a weird hire from the begin with. Or from the jump, I said. I think I said from the begin with, which is it, which just doesn't make any sense. From at all. the begin with, in the jump, <laughs> it was a strange hire from the jump, and I'm glad that his era is over in Detroit because I'm just letting you know it wasn't going to get better, and it was actually actively getting worse. The point differential his first year there when they went six and ten. Negative 36. The second year, negative 82. The third year, when he got fired midway through the year because he couldn't even stand it much longer, negative 142. The team was terrible. Team was awful. And so they're in a very interesting situation now because they have two seats to fill. They have a GM chair and they have a head coaching chair. Now the Lions, to their credit, I don't think, I, I believe I read this, when I was doing my research on it, they had three total head coach interviews three years ago when they hired Matt Patricia. They now have either already on the books or scheduled to happen 11 GM interviews, potentially even 12, and then seven head coach interviews. They are going all out for this. Excellent. Yes. Do it. So we're going to get into uh, like who those exact candidates are, but we do have to, I think, address the roster really quick and what we think of this current team for the next hire because I think that it all surrounds the quarterback. I think it all surrounds Matthew Stafford. And Stafford right now is 32 years old. He is making the most money on the team, as you would expect. He's making 33 mil as a cap hit, and I want to see it's being really slow, but I'm trying to see when they can get out of it. They can't get out of his deal. Uh, I guess they could... They don't want to get out of his deal this year, but they can kind of get out of it next year. They can easily get out of it the year after that. So it gets really flexible with Stafford from here on out. But is he the biggest problem? Like, do you want to move on from him because there's been talk of that? Or do you want to build around him? I am of the camp that I think the general manager and the head coach need to keep Stafford. They need to build around him, not move on from him. What do you What do you think about the situation? So right, uh, contract wise, taking a look at Matt Stafford, he's due thirty three million dollars on the cap, which will put him as a top ten quarterback cap hit. It won't put him as a as a significantly big. Like, that's not terrible. Uh, cap hit nineteen million in the dead cap, which is to say that if he were cut, there's like go sign with another team, uh, which I don't think they would do. Uh, he would return fourteen million dollars in space. Uh, so that's not terrible. Now, um. He if he if he were to be traded, uh, then you're looking at getting significantly more money if memory serves. Uh, uh, depending on the date, it would remove the salary portion, which should be 20 million in 2021, 23 million in 2022. Uh, so they could if they trade him before June 1st, they can get that money back and they can clear up a lot of space in the upcoming years. As such, 
I don't think it's off the table. What's tricky here is if you had a general manager and a head coach installed, you could say, you know, in, in the office, you know, behind closed doors, we're not going to try to trade him. But if San Francisco's calling and 12's on the table, we're going to look at it. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, if this you're is, getting, yeah. If you're getting a top 15 pick, then. Right, then exactly. Like, if it, if it, it. yeah. Uh, you also have to wonder and be smart with, if you're Detroit, how much longer Stafford wants to play. He's going to be 33, but he's been dealing with some pretty significant injuries. He got a back injury last year, you know what I mean? Like, or a back injury this year. Uh, th- those can be scary injuries. And, and you need to, if you have an opportunity to get capital back for him and cap space back for him before he retires, you should take that. Uh, and that, that's that's good team building, even if you want to respect and and pay homage to how much he's meant to Detroit. You have to look into that. However, Detroit does not have a general manager installed and does not have a head coach installed. And accordingly, when the Ford family sits down with general manager or head coach, what do you ask? What do you what, want to do about quarterback? Right. What are you doing with Matt Stafford? And so your your buckets for general manager and head coach, well, I, sh- I should say your fields are going to be divided into two buckets. Guys who, maybe three, guys who want to keep Stafford, guys who want to move on from Stafford, and guys who maybe would be okay with either, depending on the logic of it, we have to evaluate the roster, da 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 I don't know if that so you, guy's going to get the job, though. Right, you know? and that's the thing is you you can't, you know, unless that dude blows you away and you yeah. like feel like really confident in like you know, oh, we'll listen to offers and maybe we'll look at an offer, but we won't necessarily take an offer and da da da. Like unless you really really like that guy, the inclination is going to be to decide uh, on a path with Stafford, and then hire according to that path, and that doesn't close the other one. You know what I mean? You could bring in a guy who's like, yeah, we're gonna do this with Stafford. Uh, and then again, like the Niners ring you up in February and they're like, Hey, you want 12? And it's like, well, you know, we got to talk about this. It doesn't close the other path, but you do have to kind of hire relative to what you think you're going to do. And that's right. why you can look at some of the guys that they are interviewing mm-hmm. and tea leaf a little bit, what they might want to take the team to do. If it is a Robert Sala and he wants to keep Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator, it's probably still going to be Stafford. Because Bevel likes Stafford. That offense works well with Stafford. He's had a, a productive last couple of years. Sale is probably not going to want to touch the offense as much. He's going to be feel confident leaving that in Bevel's hands. Probably going to say Stafford. If it's like Marvin Lewis. Lewis ain't coming out of retirement to deal with the rookie for two years. You know, <laughs> he's going he's to stay with Matt Stafford. Right. Uh, if it's Joe Brady, Eric Bieniemy. Might be having a different conversation because mm-hmm. those might be a, a, a first-time head coach, big offensive designer yeah. who wants to attach his quarterback to his system and really build in his image. So, it it, it this decision is going to be kind of made a little bit, or at least we're going to get a feel on where the lines are leaning with their hire. I would imagine Stafford is more likely than not a lion in twenty twenty one, but it is on the table that he's elsewhere. So let's go over some of the candidates. As, as I said before, there are right now. Uh, just from reported that I that I gathered, eleven GMs that they have either or potential GMs I should say that they they have either interviewed or are on the schedule to interview, and then one kind of out of left field one that I'll mention. Three of them are in house guys. Lance Newmark, who is the director of player personnel for the Lions, he's been with the Lions for twenty three years. Uh, he's been the director of player personnel for four of them. Kyle O'Brien, who is the VP. Vice President of Player Personnel, who is Lance's boss, 
he's above Newmark, and he dealt with play picking players in the draft. He was uh, he was I, I I believe orchestrated a good deal of draft day strategies, and he has been in Detroit for four years, so not too long, but obviously has had a strong hand of what's going on there with uh, adding players, keeping players. Rob Lomans, the other one, he is the director of pro scouting, so he's in charge of, obviously, the scouting staff there. He came up through the scouting tree like you would think any scout would, area scout, national scout. He's been with Detroit for 14 seasons, so he's been there a long time. Ultimately, I don't think any of these guys are going to get the hire. I think Kyle O'Brien, the VP of player personnel, would be the favorite out of those three, but of course it, it just all depends on how they interview. I ultimately don't think that they're going to get it, but Ben and I were going over through these names in a podcast and it's cool that they were interviewing these guys and gave them the experience of, if nothing else, interviewing for a GM spot and coming up with a GM strategy and that could be very valuable to them for the future as well. Maybe it's not with the Lions, maybe it's with somebody else. So I did think that that was pretty cool. You you would agree? You probably don't think that, that those three guys get the job. I mean, if, if you do... I mean, these were guys who were architects and building the roster you have now. Right, right. So I don't, yeah, I wouldn't love it. Right, it would better be different. The other guys that they have on the list, Rick Smith, who is a longtime, 20-year executive in the league. He was the GM for the Houston Texans from 2006 to 2017. He was also the VP of Football Operations in the final five years there as well. He's got a draft history where he's been in charge of a lot of different things. He's drafted guys like J.J. Watt, Winnie Merciless, Jadavian Clowney, Deshaun Watson. So he has plenty of experience. If you want an experienced guy, I don't think it's going to get more experienced than Rick Smith. Lewis Riddick is another one. This this guy who doesn't have any experience as a GM. He's a former director mm-hmm. of player personnel for the Eagles and then Washington. Last, mm-hmm. last, though, in 2013. So he hasn't been in a front office for quite a long time. He's been an ESPN analyst for the past few years. He was a Monday Night Football analyst. So he has been a hot name as like that next analyst who could become a GM. You know, like we've seen John Lynch go from being a broadcast booth guy to straight to the GM of the San Francisco 49ers. I know he had his playing days in the NFL as well, but he went from that chair to that chair. Uh, Mike Mayock's another one, of course. Mike Mayock had a longstanding career as an NFL network analyst, and he went straight to being the Las Vegas Raiders general manager, and so Lewis Riddick could be the next in line there. Thomas Dimitrov is also on the list. They have already interviewed him. Director of college scouting for the New England Patriots from 2003 to 2007, and then 2008 to 2020. So the last 12 years, he's been the general manager for the Atlanta Falcons. He put together a championship roster, had a really great tenure, I thought, as GM of the Falcons. He had a great relationship with his head coach, which is, which is mm-hmm, extremely mm-hmm. important. I'm a Thomas Dimitrov fan. I know we'll dig into that in a second. Scott Pioli is another one that they interviewed, GM of the Chiefs from 2009 to 2012, and then he was the assistant GM under Dimitrov with the Falcons from 2014 to 2019. Uh, there's also on the schedule, those are guys that they have already interviewed, and then on the schedule, assistant GM for the New Orleans States, uh, um, Jeff Ireland, and then the other assistant GM for the New Orleans Saints, Terry Fontenot, I believe is how you say his name. I believe. Yeah, it's a, I, it's another like down south, maybe French inspired name that if okay. I pronounce it, I'm gonna get yelled at because I put way too much French in it. <laughs> Etienne. <laughs> Etienne. <laughs> they also are interviewing the Rams. Uh, director of college scouting, Brad Holmes, and then Vikings assistant general manager, George Patton. So those are guys to consider. And then the way out of left field one is there was a report that they the Lions were kind of just seeing what might be out there for uh, John Snyder, who is the current 
GM of the Seattle Seahawks. And he, as a lot of people know, started his career as a scout for the Green Bay Packers. Um, Schneider didn't leave when the Packers job became available a couple of years ago, so it's weird to think that he would leave for Detroit. Um, He worked his way up through the executive ladder with the Chiefs, watched the football team, and then the Green Bay Packers eventually becoming the GM for the Seattle Seahawks in 2010. He hired Pete Carroll one week after that, and the rest has been history, so he is still there. So those are the guys that are on the table Anybody particularly stand out for what you might think the Detroit Lions might need for their team? Because remember, when we went over this last week for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it was, hey, what's an important role for a GM? Okay, well, scouting is huge. And scouting is huge no matter what, but the Jaguars have a lot of really important picks over the next two years to really build a roster that doesn't have a lot there. There's a lot of flexibility to be had, and I think it's scouting, and a good scouting eye would mean a big deal towards being a GM of Jacksonville. Of course, it's still important here, but also being comfortable with dealing a roster as is and being good with the salary cap and maybe moving on from different guys, whether it's trades or cuts or reworking of contracts, I think that's also important for the Detroit Lions because there's not as draft-based as a team like Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. It is like, this This is an unfair thing to say, but the Lions first need a general manager to get them from the basement to average level. And then hopefully, perhaps, maybe, ideally... You can get from base level to be like a, a regularly competing team in the NFC. But the first thing that you want is a steady hand. I don't think you want to get aggressive with this general manager hire. I, I would agree. want to retread. I agree. Yeah. I, I think that I think that Scott Pioli and Thomas Dimitrov are two of the better options. I, I'm a, I, like you. I like Dimitrov. I like what he did in Atlanta. Uh, Pioli as well, I thought was uh, successful. You know, I, it, he, he was. was fine. Um, yeah. Pioli uh, and Dimitrov are actually, they're actually, you know, we talked about the New England tree. They're both from New England. Like they both were in New England in, in the 2000 and, uh, 2000s, uh, in the middle 2000s, uh, as the vice president of player personnel. And then Dimitrov was uh, director of college scouting. Uh, Dimitrov also was with the Lions as an area scout many, many years ago as well, which I think is interesting and, and, and could be fun for them. Wow, homecoming. Um, yeah, but anyway, so the, again, these are, are, are guys who are New England products. And so you're a little bit like, oh, but they have since grown. They've since, you know, kind of uh, spread their own wings, gone elsewhere and put different stuff on tape, as it were, different rosters on, on, on tape different uh, and shown what they paper. can do. Different work on paper. Yeah, instead, on paper. Instead, of play, instead of plays on tape, it's rosters yeah. on paper. Rosters on paper. Uh, showing how they can build outside of the New England structure. The reason Dimitrov is interesting to me is because of the experience he had building the Falcons with some defensive-minded head coaches, right? You had hmm. he's he's been the he was the general manager for Mike Smith, yep, and was the general manager for Dan Quinn, uh, Dan Quinn mm-hmm. right? And those were his, those are the last two frameworks. And obviously, both of those coaches have been fired, and Dimitrov has also been fired. So it's not to say it all went perfectly, but there was that one time Atlanta was in the Super Bowl. You may remember, uh, you know, the the Falcons under Smith had some successful seasons. They were able to bring in defensive players who were successful you know for everything that dan quinn was they the falcons have done a better job bringing in undersized linebackers being successful with them than most teams in the league you know what i mean they had they had they had a good secondary there for a couple of seasons like they've been successful he's been successful working with a defensive head coach and building that that roster which when you turn to a guy like robert sala who i 
I would I would say right now is the clear front runner for this job. Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, who was in Jacksonville from in the early 2010s, who I believe did coach under Dan Quinn at Seattle. Yeah, when he was when 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 uh, Quinn was the defensive coordinator in Seattle, Sala was there as a quality control coach. So they do have that relationship. You're going to see similar ideas in the defense. Sale is largely split off from the, the Seattle tree at this time, but there's still going to be analogies there. And so I think that if you're looking at defensive-minded head coach Robert Sala, retread head coach, a re- retread general manager Thomas Dimitrov, you expect a good marriage. You expect them to, to have crossed paths before to know each other, to, to know similar guys, to look at things in similar ways, and potentially you have an opportunity to take some good pieces on defense where the majority of your resources have been spent recently. Yeah, I really don't mind that plan at all. I think that I'm, I'm with you 100% that Thomas Dimitrov should probably be their number one, um, depending on mm-hmm. how some of the assistant GMs interview, the ones from the Saints and the Vikings. Um, George Patton, I think there was a lot of notes on. I'm trying to remember here. Yeah, he, he was a GM candidate. For the last couple of years, really, and the Vikings blocked him from interviews with the Titans and the Packers in the past, but all interview mm-hmm. requests must be granted this year. So he has to, I mean, these have to be granted no matter what. He also withdrew himself from consideration of the Jets' job in 2019 and then the Browns' job in 2020. And so, you know, even though Patton has been a assistant GM the whole time, like he's a guy who... I think works under Spielman very closely. They clearly have not wanted to get him out of the building at all, blocking a couple of interviews for him. So I think that that might be an interesting way to look at it, depending on how that interview goes. But I'm with you. I think that Dimitrov is, is their number one, should be their number one candidate right now. And I think that he would do well in an interview. That's totally bombs it. I don't know why, unless they really don't like the, his vision for the team. But I think that's very interesting, getting to pair him with Robert Sala, of course, they're interviewing Eric Bieniemy as well, and Arthur Smith. Those are two names that we've talked about plenty on this podcast, the guys that we like. I don't think I'd be with Marvin Lewis. Um, not that it would be the worst thing in the world. I, I would, just, would like Marvin Lewis. I would. I, I just, I, I, I feel like there would be better options than Marvin Lewis. Again, like like I said, I, I, I don't think that would be the worst option in the world because like you said there, they've got to get out from being just terrible. They finished fourth in the division three straight years in a row. Marvin Lewis okay. is a longtime head coach. Like, Marvin Lewis can get you there. Marvin Lewis can get you out of the set. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. But, like, uh, the other dudes, I think, present higher ceilings. They pr- present, like, quicker turnarounds, or they might be – because that's what I, that, that's the way that I feel about it. I'd put, I'd put BNME, I'd put Sayla, and I'd put Arthur Smith all above Marvin Lewis. But Marvin Lewis okay. would probably well, yeah, yeah. I, be I'll next. give you, like, I think – Right, I think like the enemy Smith dabble like there's not going to be a job where we're like these guys don't fit. They build great offenses. Right, That's not right. what they want here. <laughs> right, right. But to me, you know, spicy take inbound. Thirty-three-year-old Matt Stafford would be the best uh, quarterback that Marvin Lewis has ever had. Wow, Carson a, Palmer. That's a serious Carson Palmer slander right there. Andy Dalton. Yeah, it's it's obviously like he had prime Carson Palmer, so it's it's different a little bit, but. I think that you get Lewis, you get Stafford. Lewis is that steady hand. Dimitrov, sure. Pioli, yeah. anyway, steady hand. And all, like, listen, I mean, look at it for Detroit. All, if you just get to, and you know, like, if, like, we don't even need Caldwell levels, man. If you just get this team to eight and eight over the next couple of seasons, get it so that it, the, the team looks functional. Get it so you get some good high priced free agents and guys who want to play mm-hmm. and then handle the transition 
from Stafford to whomever, because you also need to make this hire, assuming these coaches and this general manager will be around when it's time to get Stafford's replacement and kind of deal with that growth process and deal with that sure, grooming right, process. Right. Get that you. done while keeping the roster solid and keeping the wins up, then yes, then you can look and and do a, a Caldwell firing, which obviously didn't go well, but say we want better than nine and seven and then go and aggressively get your guy. Once you've kind of dealt with turning this roster back open from the Patricia Quinn devastation and getting ready to transition off Stafford to a new quarterback that required to me, that's I want experience. I want a guy who's going to be able to win with, with lesser rosters. I want a guy who's going to be able to get free agents to fit immediately. And I think Marvin Lewis can do great at that. So I like Again, again, it's not sexy, but it'll get the job done. Um, I wanted to ask real quick, yes. Pat Fitzgerald potentially doing head coaching hires or head coaching interviews, apparently. Yeah. Head coach for Northwestern. Yeah. Uh, feels like Detroit's going to be super in on him, right? I mean, right. I think this, I think Detroit would be very interested. But again, going back to what you just said, I think experience is the biggest thing because as we're going to get into after the break here, their cap situation is not great. They are not flexible. They are not like, oh, you know, this is a blank canvas. It's not. They don't have a lot in projected cap space. They have a lot of uh, potential um, unrestricted free agents that are coming up. There's just not a lot of room for this team to be different. So you almost have to look at this roster over the next probably two years is fair and say, like, these are my guys. How can I win with them? How can I create a building block with this current roster knowing that I can't tear it down to the studs? And I think that that takes a lot of what you would already think is is head coach or at least NFL coordinator experience. So I wouldn't be in on him. I wanted to say uh, interim coach Daryl Bevel, he is also interviewing for the head coach job with Detroit. Yeah. And Saints associate head coach Dan Campbell, who's been talked about over the last couple of years. I believe he I is like on the that. docket as well. So that's what, uh, that's what we have on the GM head coach landscape. Ben, I needed to bring this to the table before we got into the cap situation, okay? The Fast and the Furious movies did so well with you and the reboot that there is an entirely different company now that wants to start something new. But they've got to start with the all three boot. The th- the three boot. But there's there's all there's all new actors, right? They had to keep the WWE flair in there, so they got John Cena instead of The Rock, and then they Stop had it. to get somebody who would look equally as good in a plain white tee and or you know just an undershirt like Vin Diesel, and so they got Mark Wahlberg. So we got John Cena and Mark Wahlberg on staff right now, but they did want to bring you back. They thought that you were the glue. They thought you were the reason why there was so much success. So you are in this situation again. It's been a while. You know, it's been a couple of months. You're out of the game, but you need to get yourself a car that you know is going to blow everybody out of the water for this first remake of this movie. Where are you going to go to get such a car? The people... The people may have forgotten over the years, over the months, the time yeah. that has passed. Sure. But there's only one place that you can go, and it's RockAuto.com. It is RockAuto.com, folks. Not that they sell whole cars. I guess Ben, you know, Ben's a little bit more experienced than people, so he's taking, he's building it from scratch. He's getting, note, yeah. he's getting all the pieces from RockAuto.com because RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts to customers for over 20 years. If you go to RockAuto.com. You can shop for any auto or body body part that you need from hundreds of different uh, manufacturers. They've got everything. Engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, even new carpet. They they have everything, and I guarantee that you're going to be able to find it because the catalog, it, it, it's super easy to navigate. It's very unique. They've got all kinds of stuff in stock. And even if you don't see something in stock, you can hit them up, whether it's uh, by message or by phone. 
and just ask them. They're gonna they're gonna help you out because they're great people. They've got great customer service as well. Sometimes shop for auto parts. It's confusing. It's daunting. You don't know what you're looking for. They can help you out. I guarantee you. Go to rockauto.com right now. And if you do see something that you like, or if you don't, if you end up talking to them, if you ended up asking them a question, just let them know that Lockdown NFL Draft sent you. We would really, really appreciate it. They got amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you were ever going to need, and truck parts you could ever need over at rockauto.com. And then the final note that we have before we get into this Lions cap space, NFL playoffs are here. There's one big game left of college football. NBA's tipped off. NHL's going on. If you want to put some money on the line, if you think you know who you, who's going to win, there's only one place that has you covered at all times, one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. If you sign up for a free account today at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's all caps, no spaces, Locked On. you'll get 50% off your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get 50% of a welcome bonus back on your first Deposit. Cap situation for the Detroit Lions. Two words. Not great. They are... Where is the projected cap? Where are they ranked in projected cap? Detroit Lions. They are 16th with a projected 10.5 mil in cap space for 2021, but they are only that high, and yes, I say that high, because you have teams like the New Orleans Saints, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Atlanta Falcons, the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Houston Texans, and the Los Angeles Rams all at negative 20% cap space. So Detroit Lions, they got more flexibility than those teams do, but they do not have a lot of flexibility. As I said before, Matt Stafford, he's taking up most of their cap. He's, He's on the books for $33 million. Then it's Trey Flowers at 19, Desmond Trufant at 12, Jamie Collins at 11, Justin Coleman at 11. Um... Vitae's at 10. None of it's flexible. Like, none of it's flexible. The Vitae contract is revolting. It's bad. Vitae's got 14 mil dead cap. Coleman's got six. Collins has 11. Trufant's got six. Flowers has 31. Like, it's either it's either at half or more for all of those guys with dead cap compared to what they are on the cap hit. And it's just, it's not a good look. Meanwhile... They've got unrestricted free agents. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Mohamed Sanu, Danny Amendola, their entire wide receiver room, basically, other than Quintez Cephas. Adrian Peterson, Everson Griffin, Romeo Okwara, Gerard Davis, Reggie Ragland. They're those two linebackers that play consistently for them. Dale Roberts, Deron Hammond, Miles Kilbrew, Matt Prater. Like, all of these guys are un- unrestricted free agents, and you got to bring a couple of them back just out of necessity to fill out the roster. You sure hope you can bring Kenny Galladay back, but Kenny Galladay is going to be asking for like 19 mil a year. I mean, Ben, this is a different conversation than the one that we were having with the Jacksonville Jaguars who had like 81 mil in cap space. So this roster just feels like it kind of is what it is for the Lions. What would you give Galladay? This is the single most important question is what would you give Galladay? And, and you, if you look at wide receiver contracts that have had that have been filled over the last few years you look at what Galladay's production was coming in through 2019 but then obviously you land on 2020 where he was banged up I uh, didn't have the best season what are you what what is Galladay asking for what are you giving him this is this is 
again, like if the first question is, what do you want to do with Matt Stafford for any head coach, general manager candidate? The next question right. is like, all right, Kenny Galladay, what do you think? And it's it's kind of been reported that Kenny Galladay is not super happy right now, right, with, with what's happened with the Lions. And uh-huh. I think a lot of that goes into, again, Matt Patricia, the relationship building part, Bob Quinn, and, and those guys are out now. So you have some room to think that Galladay's heart might be softened and he might be open again to, to coming back to Detroit. But that doesn't mean he's not going to give the, he, he's not giving them any kind of like hometown discount. That's just not happening. I, Spot Track has his market value at a contract of average of 19 million per year. So that's kind of around what Michael Thomas signed for. It's that little- right now would be the third highest APY among receivers in the league. It would be below Amari Cooper and Michael Thomas. Right. The guarantees, right, on, on, on 19 million per year, you would assume around Wait, hold up. I got that wrong. I don't know why. Oh, it was organized by just total value. So night night that would be the sixth highest. I was gonna say that felt really year. high. Yeah. Those those are the contracts that are close to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had it organized by the wrong column. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, I organized by total value. Yeah, you idiot. Average per Y. A A A average for you. Yeah, Hopkins, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, and then Kenny Galladay. So yeah. it would be sixth. Um, and if you're looking at, uh, as you'd expect, about like if you take the average per year and, and double it, it's about what you're looking at in terms of guarantees is a general idea. Uh, you're looking at 38 guaranteed, which again is going to be about fifth, sixth in the league among wide receivers. I love Kenny Galladay. I would not make him the sixth highest paid receiver in the NFL. The thing is, though, is that someone is, and so you know when you right? look at when you look at teams that have projected cap space near the top of the NFL, Jacksonville Jaguars could use a wide receiver. New York Jets could use a wide receiver. Colts, yeah, to a lesser extent, but yes, New England Patriots, absolutely. Washington Football Team, absolutely. Miami Dolphins, absolutely. Like all of these teams, I just listed off. What, six of the top seven, I think, teams in the NFL when it comes to cap space available for 2021. They could all use a wide receiver. They're all going to throw money at Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, you know, like whoever it is in this wide receiver class. But it makes this really, really difficult for Detroit because if it's true that the relationship between Kenny Galladay and and ownership or whoever was in charge or just him being in Detroit isn't good, he's not going to be willing to work with Detroit. And I guarantee that there are going to be multiple teams that are willing to pay Kenny Galladay more than Detroit is able to. So this gets tough because you're. I'm 100% with you. The Stafford conversation is the first conversation that you're having. Conversation number two is Kenny Galladay. You've got to at least bring him back because if you don't, you have no wide receiver one. And any wide receiver that you're drafting in the first round, maybe at number seven overall, we'll get to the mock draft in a second. I mean, they would just become the top guy. You'd rather them be the number two guy behind Kenny Galladay, and all of a sudden you got like a really great one-two. You draft a wide receiver in the third or fourth round, then you get a great one-two-three. So a big portion of their offensive planning has got to be around Kenny Galladay, but that's my answer to that, is that I think that they would want him back. I think they're going to get tr- they're gonna try to get close to that number. Like I think mm-hmm. they're going to say to Kenny, like, hey man, we can give you 17, 17 and a half, but one of those teams that I listed, they're going to go, yeah, we'll give you 19 and a half. We don't give a crap. Right. That's the thing, because they had this conversation with Galladay preseason, or uh, in the past offseason, I should say. They talked to them about an extension, and it was clear that the camps were in different spots, right? Either Galladay wasn't coming low enough, Detroit was coming high enough, they weren't meeting in the middle, whatever it was. You come back to the negotiating table now in this offseason, if you're not going to get to where Galladay wants you to be, 
Galladay is, is in no way incentivized to sign before March 17th. Just hit the league for a year. See what your market is. And if, if like people are like worried about the hip injury or whatever, then right, sign with Detroit for 17, 17, 5. The, you know, you try to negotiate the number of years down. You won't have a ton of leverage then, but whatever. There, the, the, that's the thing is like Galladay can say like, I'm going to, I'm 19, like I'm 19 mil. And the lines are like, we don't think you are. It's like, all right, heat check. We're just going to wait until the league year opens. And then you're exactly right. You're going to have a team like, Indianapolis. You're gonna have a team like Jacksonville. You're gonna have a team like the New York Jets who are like, hey, we have a ton of money and nothing to do with it. You wanna come be good over here? Guys gonna be like, yeah, bye. And so it's 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 difficult. It's gonna suck for the Lions because you 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 know, obviously you know the Calvin contract situation goes bad. You bring in Galladay, which obviously Galladay is not Calvin Johnson, but you uh you get another really good potentially star wide receiver in the building, and then he goes. And so you'll be left, you know, you'll resign Marvin Jones which I think will be good. I think Marvin Jones is obviously is a quality player for them. Uh, he's going to be 31, 32. Uh, and so he's not going to get a big deal or a long deal, but I think he's going to get a healthy deal from Detroit and continue to play well for them. And he's been great for them. There's no reason to let Marvin Jones go anywhere. Um, what do they do with Danny Amendola? Uh, Stafford and Amendola always had a good relationship. Uh, again, he's 33. Again, he's been dealing with, uh, with uh, uh, some injuries, but, Sign Amendola on another one-year deal. Sign him on another two-year deal. Depends you can what he keep. wants, though. It's not like you've got. It's, it's not like you're just like, oh yeah, he's got good chemistry. Let's sign him. You only got ten mil of flexibility. You well, got to fill I out think... the roster. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. well, I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what Amendola is going to ask for. If he wants to play I mean, in the super cheap, sure. But you're almost going. He was like one year four point. million for them earlier. I think they can get him for that. What was it? One year four million. Yeah. You got ten ten and a half million to spend. You going with him for four million? You can probably get him on less than that. He's been banged up. Either way, I, I, you just you hear what I'm saying here. Like whether yeah. it's 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 hard to look at what the Lions might want to change, and then also the reality mm-hmm. of can they do it? Of course, like it's not going to be like a hard ten and a half mil. They'll probably have some money that they move here and there. That's what all good GMs are able to do. So hopefully, the guy that they bring in again, a, a guy with experience, is able to rework some things, get some extra money for you do some different things with contracts potentially. And so it's not like a hard 10 and a half million, I don't think, but it gets really hard for the lions because when you have somebody on the books that you're trying to give a lot of money to, cause you want to keep their top talent and Kenny Galladay, you look at the rest of the roster and you go, uh, where, the, where are we, right. where's the rest of the money coming from? So we can sign some guys to actually play this season, you know? So I just think, uh, they're in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. They're in a really tough so spot. So basically like if they re-sign Galladay, Jones is gone. Amendola is gone. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be him, Galladay, Cephas. Hell yeah. Geronimo Allison. Love it. Love there it, baby. Because most of the news gone. Danny Amendola is gone. Nothing. If they let Amendola walk, then you're going to be able to get Marvin Jones back in the building and maybe you look at Amendola. Oi. This team might draft wide receiver early. Well, don't know if you heard. Well, but, uh, yeah, Jalen Walter might be on the board. We're about to find out because we're about to go through a three-round mock draft for the Detroit Lions right now. Okay. As uh, I- last thing I would say then on their free agents is just Romeo Quara has yep. played quite well this year. Uh, I don't know how cheap you can get him, but I would try because I think that he's, he's come along very nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to want Doran Harmon back. I think they're going to be able to get him back for cheap. Uh, Reeves Maven is going to walk. Gerard Davis is going to walk. Everson Griffin is going to walk. Um, Reggie Ragland back probably on you know one million, but that's that's about as far as I'd go on that. Vet minimum, baby. Vet mini, let's go. 
that's gonna be that's gonna be the buzzword for the Detroit Lions. It feels like okay. Can you see my screen? I'm sharing my screen. Can you see it? Is the mock draft machine? Oh, I love it. It looks great. Okay, great. too many tabs, but I'll get over it. I did, I, I'm talking. You're you're talking to me about having too many tabs. Aren't you like the king of I'm having too many tabs? Checking, and I definitely have more tabs open than you do. Okay, all right. We're doing a show, man. I gotta have the tabs labeled. All right, so we're doing a three round mock draft for the Detroit Lions. I believe it's just three picks. They only have their first, second, and third round picks. So it, it's not the too fancy in this one. We got one, two, three, but they're starting this one out at number seven overall. So I'll start the draft. Lawrence Fields. Ooh, Parsons at three. Dolphins went Parsons at three. Bengals went Patrick no. Sertan at five. Uh, Eagles got Jamal, Jamar Chase. Congratulations. Um, Falcons went Quiddy Pay. So on the board right now for the Lions at number seven overall, we have Penny Sewell, Kyle Pitts, mm. Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Caleb Farley. I mean, I think that linebacker could be a potential need for them if they want to take the bait on picking Micah Parsons in the top 10, but he is not there. So I wanted to just say that like he would be on the table for them, but in this mock, um, he is not. In this mock draft simulation, he is not. So what are you thinking? Here, you got you got a lot of playmakers here. You have Kyle Pitts, who, yeah, okay, he's a tight end, but he's also a glorified just big wide receiver. You have Jalen I mean, Waddle, you, you have Devonta Smith. lost Galladay, just go put Pitts at X. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're doing. Basically. It would honestly be pretty fun. Can you imagine so, drafting two tight ends in the top 10 in, th- in three years? I don't think they bring Galladay back. It's actually back. a tight end. I, I, no, no, no. Okay. I, I, I don't think they bring Galladay back. I If you think that we should operate under Kenny Galladay being back, we we can. But because of the, the situation that I kind of laid out there where I think the Lions will be like, okay, we might be able to give you a little bit under asking, and then you got two or three teams that are like, yeah, we'll give you 20 mil or something close to it. I just don't I, I don't think Kenny Galladay stays. Right. So I would say that he's gone. I think that he is gone. And I think mm-hmm. that they might bring Marvin Jones back, uh, depending, because I, I, I feel like I just read recently that he was like, yeah, I'm fully testing <laughs> free agency. So that didn't sound too... That's it. Didn't sound too He's great. He's been either. good recently, man. I think so too. I think you're going to um, okay. run at him. But all that to say, let's let's operate under mm-hmm. the assumption that Kenny Galladay is not back. I'm sorry, Lions fans. I still love you. Yeah, no Kenny. If Marv, even if even if, if it's Kenny's back and Marvin's gone, or if Marvin's back and Kenny's gone, either reality, I like Jalen Waddle for him. Okay, right. I mean, slot, I, like yeah, he, don't hate it at all. This is a dynamic no more game playmaker. He's going to live in the slot. He can still be a big part of your downfield play action passing game, right? He's going to bring you a, a speed, a vertical element you don't currently have on the roster. They had Marvin Hall for that, and they cut him. Uh, so he's going to give you that that release and go. You're going to have to work to get him off the line of scrimmage a little bit, get him some vertical releases from the slot, uh, from the inside. But I think he's going to be successful in that. And then obviously scheme touch stuff is always beneficial. Uh, I don't, you know, we don't know if it's, Daryl Bevel or otherwise, Bevel doesn't really do too much of that. But jet motion being a big part of today's game, Waddle's an important player to have for that. So here we are with the Lions in the second round at pick number 39. By the way, I'm just checking the Eagles pick just for fun because it's right ahead of where Detroit is. They got Jamar Chase at six in the first round, and then Dylan Moses at 38 in the second round. Do yeah, like SEC, it? baby. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so here at 39, we've given them Jalen Waddle. Linebacker still in need. Interior defensive line, although they're pretty strong on interior defensive line, as we mentioned before, depending on what they want their interior defensive line yeah. to do. They want any interior defensive lineman to get a sack. They're pretty sure, bad. Right, but if right, they don't right, care right, about right. That. Uh, yeah, exactly. So edge rusher could be a need as well. Potentially another offensive tackle because we talked about Vitae not being exactly what they signed him to be. So on the board, let's check. Sammy Cosme's still here. 
Hamilcar Rashid for an edge rusher, Alex Leatherwood for an offensive tackle, Aziz Ojolari is still here. Ooh, I like that one. I like Aziz. Mm. Who's left at linebacker? McGrone. We got Cameron McGrone. We got uh, Chaz Surratt, who I like. But is it? It's pretty early for Surratt, I think. Uh, I, the edge, edges. Aziz Ojolari is interesting at this value. Now it's Trey Flowers is going to come back. Yeah, Jamie Collins is going to be gonna, back. They're potentially going to bring Romeo Cora back. Can they get him enough snaps? Okay, I think that'd be good value, but I'm not sure that it's their pick. Let me look at. Okay, so Flowers contract wise, Trey Flowers here for a while. Romeo Cora is entering free agency. Uh, Jamie Collins is entering free agency. Julia drafted Julian Cora the third round. They've been rotating him in. They can they can get out of Trey Flowers if they want to next year. I mean, they would say themselves twelve. No, I don't. But no, 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 no. He opted out, right? So his contract tolls a year, doesn't it? Ooh. Did he opt out, or was he just on IR forever? Oh, that I don't remember. I don't remember which special. Yeah, he op- he 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 opted out. Okay, so then that goes no. over. Yeah. Which one is it? These are the two options. No and yes. That's those are the two options. You said both. Why is this? Not so difficult to. Uh, <laughs> why did, is this so difficult to Google? Did Trey Flowers opt out dot com? Right, I should have like so did some sort of like opt out tracker. Um, I don't think he did. I think I was deceived by the first thing. No, I think I think he's, he's just, just on, on IR. IR. Yeah, he's just on IR. Yeah. Lions right, fans good, are screaming good. at us disaster. on the other side of the microphone. Yeah. I'm sorry. Disaster averted. Sorry, Lions fans. IR. Okay, so you can't cut him next year. But then the year after that, you would probably be smart to cut him because then his cap hit goes all the way up to $23 million in 2022, which is not good. And then you can cut him with a dead cap of only eleven, so you're saving yourself obviously twelve million dollars there. So I don't think they can I don't think they can they can bring in Aziz. Okay. All right. Whatever. I tried to help Joe. I tried to help Lions fans. I tried. Who are their, who's their defense tackle options? Interior defense tackle. We got a lot of people left. Davion Nixon, Jordan Davis, Tyler Shelvin, Christian Barmore. Jaylen Barmore, Twyman? Nixon are interesting here. I want them I want them to have penetrating three tag, man. They don't have on the roster right now. I mean, yeah, Barmore is a good one then for that one, I think. Unless yeah. you, unless Nixon you want as well. Nixon. Okay. You choose between Barmore... Nixon and Ojolari. Your choice. Oh, damn. You threw Ojolari in there. I don't know yeah. I don't I don't know enough about Nixon at this point in the process. So I am gonna pick Christian Barmore because I think that he Ooh. certainly showed the flashes and he's gotten better as the year has mm-hmm. gone on. But I have not watched yeah. enough of Nixon, so I reserve the right to Say you are an idiot. All, <laughs> absolve all blame here by going in this direction. So let's go yeah. Christian Barmore in round two, unless Ben. Hold on. Unless we want to get spicy and go wide receiver again. We don't. Do we, though? No. Do we? They need a defense. They need a three-tech, man. Yeah, but do we? But do we? All right. Barmore's well, a good Christian pick Bar- for them, though, because, like we talked about, you don't expect to be really, like, you know, competing next year, right, if you're the Lions. And so Barmore, uh, a redshirt sophomore now coming out of Alabama, is a player that you anticipate being better 
a couple years down the road. If you look at the arc of Quinn and Williams for the New York Jets, who was a bit of a disappointment for the third overall pick in his first season in terms of his year one production, year two he unlocked. And Baumwar's not nearly as good of a prospect, but you're drafting a similarly young, similarly physically talented guy who's still putting it together. Uh, so I think Baumwar's going to be good for them more so in the future as opposed to right now. Damn, Chaz Surratt's off the board in the third round. <clears throat> I want sucks. I wanted Chaz Surratt right there. Chaz Surratt went and Jabril Cox went and Cameron McGrone. And Cameron McGrone. All of his three picks. It's okay. We still have a good linebacker on the board. Who's the good linebacker? Big Pete. You ask me who it is? Yeah. Pete Werner, man. Is it Big Pete? Pete Werner for Ohio State. Yeah. I think he's been been playing very well recently. Okay. I could be down with Pete. Hold on. Let's check. Merlin Robinson and and Baron Browning as well at linebacker out of Arizona State and Ohio State, respectively. Both of them would be fine picks. Baron Browning would make a lot of sense for them if they're trying to keep within the molds they've currently established with the new general manager. Pete Werner is your your, uh, three-down linebacker because of the coverage ability on tight ends uh, in a conference where you're dealing with Irv Smith, you're dealing with Robert Tanyan, dealing with Cole Komet for the future. Uh, I think that's pretty solid. So I I would like Pete Werner at linebacker. I don't know. Do you have other spots you like? Uh, The only one I would really think about is there's not a good offensive tackle who like slid here to 71. Looking at wide receiver, I mean, if they lose Kenny Galladay, Seth Williams is still on the board, Sage Sherrod's still on the board. I really like those guys as bigger wide receivers that they could add. Oh, man, yeah, I actually really like the idea of that. You really want a double dip at wide receiver. I mean, they, they need it desperately, so desperately. They I, if they're move if they're losing Kenny Galladay, and they are not moving on from Matt Stafford, they then have a duty to create an offense that is worthy of his arm over the next two or three years. And I think that that is that is you are throwing multiple assets at the wide receiver position. I think Jones has been okay. I think you're moving on from Amendola if you got a better younger option. Because it would just be healthier for the cap and for the future. When I so when I'm looking at wide receiver, if they're not bringing back Kenny Galladay, I'd probably look at Seth Williams here. Seth Williams or Pete Warner. Uh, you, I picked I picked the last one, so it's either Seth Williams mm. or Pete Warner. You pick this one. I'm taking Pete. Okay, I won't I won't hold this <laughs> I like over Seth your head Williams forever, but yeah, I just don't know. I'll, I'll roll with Cephas, Jones slash Galladay and uh, Waddle. And I'll be pleased with it. All right, so there we go. The three-round mock for the Detroit Lions. Jalen Waddle at number seven overall. Christian Barmore at 39. And then Pete Warner at number 71. There we go. We fixed the Giants. The, I said the Giants again. Why did I say the Giants? Why are the Giants? Why do you I think the, the Lions are the Giants? I did this They're in just the pre-show. They sound I, kind of the I same. I did this in the Joe pre-show. Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are not the same person. Both from New England. That's true. Give me some slack. We just fixed the Detroit Lions as best we can. Uh, in a recap, I think that they need, we think that they need experience in the front office and as a, a, a head coach. They need a guy who's been in the GM seat before, knows what he's doing, can make the most out of the current roster because there's not a lot of flexibility here over the next two years. And so they've got to be able to manage that and put the best team that they can around Matt Stafford. And I think that to the second part of that plan, they, they should keep Matt Stafford unless Stafford wants out. You have to entertain some options, always keep your ears open, but I think their best plan is still going to be for Stafford to be their quarterback. It's going to make it hard for them to re-sign Kenny Galladay, so unfortunately, even if you think about all the moves they could potentially make, Galladay might have played his last years in Detroit, but it's okay because in the draft, we gave them Jalen Waddle at number 7, Christian Barmore at number 39, and then Pete Warner at number 71. There we go, everybody. Another Team Takeover Tuesday in the books. Tomorrow, we're expanding the mock draft format. 
We're getting all the other teams involved, and we are doing another midweek mock draft. But this one is special. This one you're not going to want to miss because it is the first midweek mock draft with the final official non-playoff order. It's going to be a blast. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.